Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. I'm going to bear what you in love. And so if you are not willing to put up with people, you don't love them. Straight up. That's the bottom line. The people that you won't put up with, you don't love. And you can't lie and say it any other way. But we do bear with one another in love. That's how you do it. And so as he's telling me to walk worthy and he's telling you to walk worthy, he's also telling you how. Bear with them. How, Lord? In love. In love. Same way I love you. Love them like that, you'll be able to bear with them. So whoever you're struggling with, love them. And you'll be able to bear with them just fine. What is your reaction when someone wrongs you or shouts at you because they're having a bad day? Do you feel like you need to react or somehow get them back? And if it is a repeated offense, what's your attitude? Pastor Bill today will remind you that as a loved and forgiven follower of Christ, you need to show the same love to them. And not just once, you need to bear with them in love. It won't be easy. Following Jesus never is. But when you love them as Jesus does, your attitude will start to change. Now here's Pastor Bill in the book of Ephesians chapter 4 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. Let that be. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. He didn't flip out. He didn't cuss nobody out. He didn't throw no punches. He didn't get revenge. And God, let me help me become like you. Make me more like you. Everything that's wrong with me is just the part of me that's not yet yielded to Jesus. And so when I see my junk, I know that that's the reality. This is this is me. There's just too much of me. There needs to be more of him and less of me. Amen. With all lowliness, he says next, gentleness and gentleness. The word gentleness, it means uh, it's, it, it means it's, the idea is it's, gentleness comes out of humility. But the definition is mildness or meekness. Gentleness is the attitude that submits to God's dealings without rebellion and to man's unkindness without retaliation. So gentleness has to do with, you know, the condition of my heart in terms of walking in meekness. But it fleshes itself out when, when my, my, my gentleness in terms of my relationship with the Lord is when God is correcting me that I don't rebel. And my gentleness is the way it fleshes out when I'm dealing with other people is that when people are unkind, I don't retaliate. And so if you're someone that gets revenge all the time, you're somebody that you did this to me, I'm going to get you back. You're getting your neighbors back. You know, I've seen people do crazy things. Neighbors never parked in my park, so now I'm going to park in their park. Grown people, grown adults, you know, like, you mean you parked over there on purpose just to get them back for when they parked? Come, you 52 years old. Cut that out. You know, that, that, that's what people do. Not, not, God has said, God said, look, walk worthy. Now, that's what, I know that, that happens in the world, but I'm, if that's happening up in here, we know that's not right. Amen. We know that that's flesh. We know that that's unyielded to Jesus. Ain't gonna, you ain't going to never make that right before the Lord. And so God is saying, look, walk worthy. Right? I, I, the, I saved you already. Now, now I want you to walk right. I want you to make some adjustments. I want you to yield yourself to me. After all I've done for you, I deserve to talk to you about it. And so gentleness. Then he says long suffering. Look at uh, the next part. He says, and with long suffering. The, the word long suffering obviously is compound, long and suffering, suffering for a long time. The definition is patient, forbearance, slowness in avenging wrongs. Long suffering is an even disposition and a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. I'm going to say that one more time and I'll explain it. It's long suffering is an even disposition and a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. 
That means somebody is provoking you and provoking. They bugging you and knocking at the door and they trying it again. I mean, under prolonged provocation, this is usually going to be brought about by somebody you live with. Might be one of your children, might be your husband or your wife. It might be somebody you work with and they're in a cubicle right next to you and every single day. Some of y'all are thinking about them right now. Monday, I got to go and see them again. They're going to provoke me all week and under prolonged provocation that there be a, a, just a disposition, a spirit of patience under prolonged provocation. How do you do? Some people are easily provoked. We say that someone's easy. We say they have a hot temper or they're hot headed. That means they don't take much, you know, just a little bit and they're, phew, they're off. That's a, that's a, that's an indication of your flesh. Uh, one of the, 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 the demonstrations or the things of the outworking of the flesh is the outburst of wrath. That I ain't got no, I can't put a cap on this thing. It just, it blows. Uh, a work of the spirit, one of the fruits of the spirit is long suffering. And he says here, right? And I want you to note this. He's commanding us to walk in the spirit. That's what he's commanding. He says, look, I'm commanding you to walk worthy. What does it look like to walk worthy? All these things are the fruits of the spirit. These are, these are just manifestations of the fruits of the spirit, long suffering. That, that you'd be patient under prolonged provocation, that you would not be a hothead, that you'd have patience. Once again, Jesus is the example in this. How many of us could confess that Jesus has been patient with us our whole life? Your whole unbelieving life, he was patient with you and patient with me. I'm so glad I wouldn't be here if he wasn't. If Jesus wasn't patient, I wouldn't have made it. Since I've been saved, since you've been saved, how many of us have Jesus been patient with you since you've been saved? Still patient because we still be mess- now we messing up and we know better. That's I think that's even patience at a greater level, but he's still patient with us. So it's not much for the one that's been patient with you to say, would you be patient with other people? Would you show them the mercy I've shown you? What if God treated us like we treat others? Some of us would be in hell. We'd be blown up. We'd be burned. You know, we'd be, you know, we'd have limbs be just dismembered and everything else. Right. God said, do that. I did it for you. I'm doing it for you. I want you to be that way for other people. Some of your kids need you to be long suffering. Some of your kids, you're trying to raise them up in the ways of the Lord. and You're harder on them than you are on yourself. Some of your kids need you to be long suffering. Where's, where's your patience? You know, they, they barely getting it, you know, with your example, you know, show them some long suffering. Be Jesus to them. Be what Jesus is to you, to them. And, and that balances out. Sometimes Jesus spank your butt. Amen. Amen. If you ain't never been spanked in the butt by Jesus, it's, it's, Hebrew says he spanks his own kids. And so, um, you know, man, it, 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 it balances. I'm not saying you can't discipline your kids. I would never say that. I'm saying from the pulpit, some of y'all need to do that, too. But, you know, we want to be patient and we want to be long suffering. We don't want to be hotheads. We don't want to be temperamental. We don't want to be those flying off the lid. God says part of walking worthy. And I want you to note how many of these things have to do with our dealing with one another. Think about this, right? He just spent three chapters telling us what he did for us. And as soon as he gets to talking to us about walking worthy, look at what's first thing on his mind. I care about how y'all are treating each other. I care about how you guys are dealing with one another. This is important. It matters to me how you guys deal with one another. So any of you guys that have children, how, how, how much does it matter to you that your kids get along? How much does it bless you? When you see every parent's blessed when their kids start doing sweet things for each other. You just get a little warm fuzzy, you know, um, your kids trying being nice to each other, sharing with one another. You know, when when they get excited for Christmas and they're trying to be real good and they're like here and, and you come and it, 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 even if it's only going to last until after the gifts, you know, it's, it's just a great thing. You know, I get blessed when I see my kids loving on each other, hanging out together when Harmony, you know, take picks up 
Benjamin and, and Billy and takes them to do. It blesses me to see them all together in harmony, you know, join one another. Guys, that's what I want for you guys. You know, it grieves a parent. See their kids bickering and fighting and doing harm, harmful things and snapping at one another. You've been made in his image. And so God's looking down here at us, his kids, and saying, it blesses me when you guys are kind. When you're doing thoughtful things, that blesses God's heart. When you see somebody in your heart just says, I'm, I want to bless them. I just want to do something. I'm going to sneak and do something for them. They ain't even going to know who did it, but it's going to be good to them when they get it. God says, that blesses my heart. I love to see you guys loving on each other and just doing good things for each other. It also grieves them when we dogging one another out. You know, we talking about each other and attacking one another and beating on one another. God says, I care about how y'all deal with one another. My church. I pay for it with my blood. And so it's interesting to me that out the gate, he's he going to talk about a lot of things in these next three chapters. But the first thing on his heart, I'm going to deal with how y'all dealing with each other. And it'll move right into what he's going to say next as he he wants there to be a unity among us. And so, um, again, verse two, with, with all lowliness, gentleness, long suffering, the last one is bearing with one another in love. That word bearing with, it means to hold oneself up against. And the idea literally is to put up with somebody. You just put up with each other and you put up with each other in love. Right. And so maybe there are people in your life that you feel like I'm putting up with them. They shouldn't feel like you're putting up with them. How many parents have had days where you're putting up with your kids? They wearing you out. You're putting up with them. That's, that's just the reality. Anybody that got kids, head went, their hands went up. You know, you got a, a little human being. They need food and water. When they're little, you got to feed them. Then when it comes out the other way, you got to clean it. And everything else, you know, just, it's constant care. That's work, right? It's a good work, but it's work. You're putting up with them. You don't, you don't enjoy every moment of that. I've had four kids. You know, I love them to death. I don't enjoy every diaper change I change. You know, me and my wife was, my wife would wake up to nurse and I figured, well, I should be able to sleep, right? <laughs> and she was like, well, no, we're a partnership. So I'm going to feed them and you change them. I'm like, so I got to get up too. You know, I don't have nothing to feed them, you know? So that's, it's, but you putting up with that. Why? Because you love them. Bear with one another in love. Why do you put up with that from a kid? Because you love them. I, that's probably why God made his kids cute. Who else? Like, there ain't nobody else in this room that could drool on me, you know, and you just be like, oh, oh my you know, if you, I hug you and you drooled on me, oh, <laughs> get the hand sanitizer. I never hug you again. Wrong with you. Drooling out the side of your mouth like that, you know, but a baby do it. And it's just a different thing. Right? Just a cute little baby, you know, little baby drool on me. I used to take my babies to my dad's job. And he was an executive and he, you know, he had a suit on and be all sharp. And I remember I would take Crystal and he would just have her and he'd want to feed her. And, you know, I'm like, Dad, put the thing on it. Kids would throw up little spots of, you know, milk on this thing. And he was like a badge to him, you know. You got someone, he's like, oh, my grandbaby was, grandbaby was up here today, you know what I'm saying? I fed her, you know, he would wear it, you know, like, if I threw up in his office, he'd be calling for maintenance, he'd take the rest of the day off, you know. We bear with one another in love. And I want you to catch that because the only difference is, 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 is I'm going to do it because I love you. I'm going to bear with you in love. And so if you are not willing to put up with people, you don't love them. Straight up. That's the bottom line. The people that you won't put up with, you don't love. And you can't lie and say it any other way. But we do bear with one another in love. That's how you do it. And so as he's telling me to walk worthy and he's telling you to walk worthy, he's also telling you how. Bear with them. How, Lord? In love. In love. Same way I love you, love them like that, you'll be able to bear with them. So whoever you're struggling with, love them, and you'll be able to bear with them just fine. Now, he says in verse uh, four, oh, three, I'm sorry, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit 
in the bond of peace. God said, I want there to be unity. And he says, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit. The word endeavoring, it means to exert oneself. Um, endeavor, you get, you, it takes diligence in order to endeavor. So you're not going to maintain unity on accident. You're going to endeavor. You're going to work to maintain unity. Uh, I was thinking about this uh, earlier this week in the Bible reading in Genesis. We covered Genesis chapter 11 early in the week. You guys remember, hopefully y'all all doing the Bible reading. In Genesis chapter 11, it was the, that's the story of the Tower of Babel. And if you remember, the people were in rebellion against God. They were building up this tower, thinking they're going to build a tower to heaven and do things their own way. And it said that the Lord looked down and said, the Lord talking to the Trinity speaking, they said, look, look at what they're doing. Look at them. Look at them down there. He says, we're going to go down there and confuse their language. But he says something really important. He says, they're all of one heart. He said, nothing that they desire to do will be stopped, be kept from them. That there was something powerful about unity. He said, they, even though they're united on the wrong thing, he said, because unity is so powerful, nothing that they desire to do will be stopped. We're going to go divide it up. And that's when God gave them all different languages so they couldn't come together and be united in that mess. Catch this. Unity in the body of Christ is critical because you can't do anything for God divided. That's why we endeavor to keep unity. That's why we fight for unity, um, because we can't really be effective for God's mission in, in our lives as Christians and as a church if there's division among us. But if you look at the power that's in unity, when people are adopted, there's nothing that they want to do that can be stopped. And so for them, because they were united together to do the wrong thing, God said, I'm going to divide them up. But you go through your New Testament and you look at when the church was effectively doing things, it was always a result of unity among them. When they were all, when the Holy Spirit could have failed whenever he wanted. He said, you guys wait until the Holy Spirit falls. But when he fell, when they were all of one heart and of one mind, they were one accord praying. And God said, right now, we're going to fall. The Holy Spirit fell. They had Pentecost. Boom. As the church was gathered together, there was unity. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 42, when they were coming together regularly for the breaking of bread and prayers and fellowship and everything else, God said, in, in that atmosphere, that daily he was adding to the church, those such that were, that were being saved, the church was moving. You know when there was a halt in the work of the church? You go to Acts 15, when they start arguing over theological stuff and what you got to do to be saved and, you know, do you got to get circumcised and what extra rules you got to keep. And when they start fighting among themselves, you see that all the work that was happening stopped. All the energy was focused on their inner fighting. And until they got that resolved, there was nothing else positive happening. And so when you get a church fighting among each other, you can, you can, you can guarantee that the work will stop. As individual believers, right? Because I can't control the whole church. But as individual believers, make sure that you're walking in unity because the work in your life will stop when, you be at, when you're at war with people in the body of Christ. Don't be at war with people in the body of Christ. Be, be in unity. That's what God called us to do. And if you're a contentious fighting person all the time, you can know that the work in your life is going to come to a halt. God can't God won't work through that vessel. It's going to be hindered. And so here he says endeavoring. That means exerting energy, working hard, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. And then he begins to tell us. Why in verses four through six and four through six, seven reasons why we need to, you know, these are the things that should unite us instead of divide us. And so I'm going to read four through six and we'll go through them one by one. He says there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all. And in you all. And so instead of focusing on the differences, because you get a group of Christians together, there are going to be lots of distinctions, different age brackets, different social statuses, different cultures and, and backgrounds and everything else. People be dividing over denominational things and 
you know, this, that, and the other. And God says, look, there's one body. When Jesus comes back, he's not coming back for individual groups of churches, you know, Calvary Chapel Inglewood group, and then First Baptist group, and then say one body, one group of people. So we got to be real careful about, you know, some Christians almost bang their church status, you know. You ask somebody, you know, are you in fellowship? I go to first Ebenezer, pastor, Cecil, such, 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 such. And, you know, and it's like, well, I just want to know if you love Jesus. I, you know, please don't y'all represent us like that. Don't you ain't got to say, you know, Captain Chapman Wood, Pastor Bill Bumpton. <laughs> Let them know you believe that Jesus Christ is God, died on the cross, rose from the grave. You believe that we family. Amen. Know that you guys, because we, we may disagree on some stuff that God will sort out when we get to heaven. That's the key stuff is Jesus Lord. Did he die on the cross for your sins? Did he raise from the grave? You looking for him to come back again? Then we family. Some of that other stuff, we'll, we'll, it'll be sorted out in the wash, but we're family. And we need to have a bigger perspective so that we're not dividing up Christ's body by, you know, Calvary Chapel and Baptist group and this, that, and the other. This, we're part of Calvary Chapel, but understand that the, the church is way bigger than that. Amen. So I will make sure we're clear on that. It's bigger than different little groups and this, that, and the other. So he says, there's one body. And rather than focusing on the things that divide, sometimes when I, I run into Christians that are in different circles, I'm not looking for the two things that we don't agree on when we agree on the most important stuff. I'd rather chop it up with you on the stuff we really agree on. We, I know we both love Jesus. How did you get saved, bro? Let me hear about that. Uh, I want to hear your salvation story. I want to hear how God intervened in your life. I'm going to tell you how he intervened in my life. And we're going to glorify God and have a prayer and go on about our way. I meet with some guys at Starbucks. They part of something totally different than what I do. But them dudes love the Lord. They love Jesus. And I love the Lord. And we can fellowship that much. Um, we, and we do talk about the other stuff in a spirit of, you know, we, we, we both know we differ on some things. But one body. There's one body. And so um, God says, you know, as, as we endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit, there's one body. I'm not coming back from multiple churches. I'm coming back from one church. Then he says, um, there's one body. Then he says, one spirit. Uh, every believer is indwelled by the Holy Spirit. We're told in 1 John 6, 19, that says, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that you are not your own? In 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, it says, do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And so every believer is indwelled by the same Holy Spirit. So there's one God, there's one, sorry, there's one body, <coughs> there's one spirit. You and me, are the, we've got the same spirit in us if we're both saved. And so that should unify us, right? Never mind, we can talk about things that should divide us, but that should unite us. Why don't we, why don't we focus on that? One body, we're part of the same body. One spirit, we got the same spirit living in us. Should be transforming us and it should be bringing unity among us. Um, where there is division, if you bring people that are divided, let the, they yield themselves to the Holy Spirit, he'll bring unity. Um, I, I suggest this many times to married people. If you're married and you and your wife are in disagreement about something and y'all both saved and y'all both have the Holy Spirit living in you, sometimes it's a good idea to shelf the thing that you're in disagreement about because somebody's wrong. Amen. And say, let's pray. Let's take a week and pray about it. I'm going to pray to the Lord and journal and say with the Lord, you pray and read. And in a week, let's just come together because God's not going to give us different things. God's going to bring us back into unity. We got the same spirit in us. And so maybe one of us or both of us aren't hearing from him. That's why we're not on one accord. So the way we're going to get back on one accord is let's just let's stop. Let's don't us be fighting. Let's ask the Lord. It's not about what I want or what you want. It's about what he wants. And there's the benefit of dealing with somebody that has the spirit of God. in them. Let's let's let the spirit of God bring us back into unity. One thing we know about the Lord is he is not the author of confusion. Amen. So he's not going to bring us into greater division. He's going to bring us back into unity if 
we genuine about seeking him in that way. So for any married people that are at odds, that's a way that you get things, you get back on the same page. And that can be done among leaders in the church as we're praying about things, differences or whatever. Let's pray about it. Let's let the Lord put us on the same page and, and that there can be unity among us. And so there's one body, there's one um, spirit. And then next it says, and uh, number three, it says in one hope of your calling, every member of the body of Christ, every member of the church, we got the same destiny. Right? We have the same hope of our calling. We're all looking forward to a day where we're going to be with him. Everybody here, we're, we're, we're all looking beyond this place and we're looking to that. And we're supposed to be living for the other reality. Though we live here now in time and space, we're living with the other reality in mind. I'm going to be in heaven one day. I'm going to spend eternity with the Lord. I'm sowing into eternity. And so my work now, whatever we're doing in the Lord and things we're doing now are in, with that in mind that we have that hope. Right? We're looking forward to that time. We have the same hope. We're looking forward to the same reality that we're going to one day be with Jesus. We're awaiting that. And so that should unite us. And I just want you to catch where he's saying, I want there to be unity. I want you to endeavor to keep the union. I'm giving you seven things to be united on. There's one body. Be united about that. You're part of my one church. There's one spirit. Same spirit dwells in you, dwells in him, dwells in her. If y'all are all saved, that should bring unity. There's one hope. Y'all are all looking forward to heaven together. Y'all going to be in the same place for all eternity. That should unite you. And in four, five, six, and seven, there's one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father. And I'll real quick hit those. One Lord, this, this should be a unifying thing. My Lord is your Lord. So how are we going to be fighting? Jesus Lord of my life. Jesus Lord of your life. We, that's, that should bring us under. That should bring us into unity. Um, again, when you got believers that are fighting, he, somebody's not yielding to his lordship because he ain't never oversaw fights. He never led us to behave like that. And so if he's Lord of my life, that means I'm doing what he says do and you're doing what he says do. We're going to be OK. And we're going to be able to be OK prolong. That's for your marriage. That's for your ministries. That's for your relationship with other people in the body. This should carry over in how you behave yourself at work. If Jesus is Lord of your life at work, you will be a different kind of employee or employer. Um, this should impact every part of your life that he's the Lord. But it should uniquely, you know, flesh itself out when believers are coming together. If Jesus is Lord, it should show. The, the things that we're doing demonstrate that he's over this. We're doing what he says do. Then it says, so one Lord, one faith. We all have the same faith. We believe the same thing. We believe Jesus died, rose from the grave, coming back again. We're looking for his return. We, that should unite us. We believe the same thing. Faith is in the word of God. If there's differences among believers, we go to the word. What does the word say? That should bring us back on one accord. Same faith. One baptism. This the baptism of mine here is water baptism, you know, and if you consider the culture that Paul is speaking to when Jews got saved, they were water baptized, the outward show of their inward belief in Jesus Christ. When Gentiles got saved, that same baptism it wasn't a, it wasn't like a Jew baptism and a, a, a Gentile baptism. Same thing. Same one baptism. Uh, we get baptized as far as water baptism. Now, we know there's the Bible talks about baptism into the body of Christ, salvation talks about water baptism, following Jesus, being immersed in water. And then we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, what he has in mind here when he says one baptism is water baptism, not multiple water baptism. We all do the same thing. We all identify with Christ in the same way. In his death, his burial, and his resurrection, one baptism. And then lastly, he says one God and Father of all. We all got the same daddy. That should unite us. You know, we got different earthly dads, but spiritually speaking, we got the same daddy. Only people, only people that don't have the same dad are non-believers because the devil is their dad, says John 8, 44. But if we're born again by, through Jesus Christ and the spirit of God lives in us, then God is our father. We have the same dad. That should unite us. 
And so uh, there's one God and father of all. And he says, who is above all, through all, and in you all, inside of all of us. These things should bring us together. been listening to another edition of a transforming word with pastor bill buffington of calvary chapel inglewood thanks for tuning in the book of ephesians is full of relevant content that can be applied to us today one of the biggest themes throughout paul's new testament letter is unity we live in a culture that seems to love to disagree but the bible is very clear about seeking unity even when you disagree Of course, this isn't always easy, but unity is a big part of who God is and what he desires for you. So the next time you disagree with someone, don't see them as an enemy. See them as a brother or sister in Christ and ask the Lord to soften your heart for that person. If you're struggling with this in your life, feel free to text or call us and we'll be more happy to pray for you. Our number is 310-245-4811. Again, the number is 310-245-4811. And if you're ever in the Inglewood area, we want to meet you in person. Our service times are on Sundays at 10 a.m. and on Wednesday at 7 p.m. If you're unable to visit us in person, we stream our services online. For more information such as directions and links to media pages, just visit calvaryinglewood.org. Again, that website was calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for tuning in today to A Transforming Word. Next time, Pastor Bill will continue teaching through the book of Ephesians, and you won't want to miss it. So be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.